The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour, global stocks slump and the dollar strengthens as financial conditions tighten. UK Prime Minister Liz Truss starts filling her cabinet and takes her first questions from Parliament. Apple prepares to unveil its latest iPhone. And California braces for potential blackouts. Former White House strategist Steve Bannon will surrender to face criminal charges in New York. A new guidance from the White House on COVID vaccines. I'm John Tucker. Those stories straight ahead. I'm John Stanchow in sports. The Mets lost in Pittsburgh. Coco Goff and Nick Kyrgios both lost their quarterfinal matches last night at the U.S. Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow in U.S. Stock Index Futures on the rise this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures up 8 points, Dow futures up 36, NASDAQ futures up 37, the DAX in Germany is down a tenth of a percent, CAC in Paris down three-tenths percent, and the FTSE 100 is down about eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 1030 seconds, yield 3.31 percent, the yield on the two-year 3.45 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up tenth of a percent or 16 cents at $87.07 a barrel. COMEX gold up two tenths percent or $2.70 at $17.15 and 90 an ounce. And the euro 0.9912 against the dollar. Nathan. Karen, thanks. Stocks in Europe are falling as the U.S. dollar continues its strong run. The Bloomberg dollar spot index hit another record overnight. That's leading to tighter financial conditions weighing on risk assets around the world. Janet Mui is head of market analysis at Dolphin. There is this disinflationary impact from strong U.S. dollar. There are other disinflationary impacts, for example, lower gasoline prices. So we do think that uh, inflation is more likely to peak and slow more rapidly compared to the other economies. Janet Mui with Bruin Dolphin says she still expects the Fed to raise interest rates at this month's meeting. Meantime, Nathan, we get some insight from the Fed with the release of its beige book today. That comes at 2 p.m. Wall Street time, a day before we hear from Fed Chair Jay Powell. He speaks at the Cato Institute's Monetary Conference tomorrow. Tune into Bloomberg Radio and Television for live coverage of his comments around 9 a.m. Eastern. Now turning to overseas now, Karen. Markets in Europe are feeling the pain of the stronger dollar. It comes at a precarious time for the U.K. The new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, is filling her cabinet and is working on solutions to address her country's cost-of-living crisis. Bloomberg's Stephen Carroll joins us live from London with the latest. Good morning, Stephen. 
Good morning, Nathan and Karen. Liz Truss holding the first meeting of her new cabinet as we speak after a sweeping reshuffle that saw her supporters elevated to the top jobs. Quasi Quartang is the new Chancellor, while Jacob Rees-Mogg takes over as Business Secretary. Now, Truss faces the leader of the opposition Labour Party in Parliament later as we await details of her package to tackle soaring energy costs. People familiar with the plan telling Bloomberg that it could see the government spending as much as £200 billion to cap prices, adding 10% to the UK's national debt. Live in London, I'm Stephen Carroll, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Stephen, thank you. Well, the strong dollar weighed on assets in Asia overnight. Stocks held at lows from May of 2020, while Asian currencies weakened sharply. And Bloomberg's Juliet Sally joins us from Singapore with the latest. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. In Japan, the yen sank 1%, with officials warning they're concerned about rapid one-sided moves. China, meanwhile, said its yuan reference rate with the strongest bias on record, a signal of discomfort with the swooning currency. South Korea's won was the worst-performing Asian currency, prompting speculation of intervention. The Kiwi and Singapore dollars fell to two-year lows. Adding to the downbeat sentiment, the latest China data showing the nation's export growth slowed more than expected in August, adding to signs of a flagging world economy. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thanks. Sticking with the yen for a moment, that currency slumped to a level that leaves it on track for its worst year on record, and that is prompting signals from government officials Japan would need to take action if the rapid one-sided moves continue. Bloomberg FX reporter Ruth Carson and says at this point we could see government intervention. Policymakers haven't changed their language to indicate such a move could happen anytime soon. But look out for phrases like we won't rule out any options to combat excessive movements or we're ready to take decisive, bold action to counter excessive or speculative moves. Bloomberg's Ruth Carson says the yen could get even weaker from here. And checking it right now, it's weaker by nine-tenths percent against the dollar at 144.10. Well, we move on to corporate news now, Nathan, where all eyes are on Apple. The tech giant is holding a launch event today to unveil the new iPhone 14. New iPhones traditionally kick off a busy fall product season, which also includes new Macs, iPads, and Apple Watch models. The event kicks off at 1 p.m. Wall Street time, and we'll bring you live updates from Cupertino throughout the day on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And we've got more earnings on the way today, Karen. Popular meme stock GameStop is among companies out with results after the close. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet as a preview. The analyst survey by Bloomberg see the video game retailer reporting an adjusted earnings per share loss of 34 cents on revenue of $1.27 billion. Analysts at Webbush say GameStop may trail consensus expectations, citing ongoing hardware constraints for gaming consoles. GameStop has been among the most popular retail trader favorites this year, but the stock for all of 2022 is down 32%. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thanks. Well, it's shaping up to be another rough day in California. The state's electric grid will once again be tested after it narrowly avoided blackouts for two consecutive days. Blistering temperatures pushed electricity demand to record levels late yesterday. That prompted California to enact its highest level of energy emergency. Much of the state remains under an excessive heat warning. Taking a look at oil now, Karen. Crude is trading lower as the dollar surges. Concerns over global demand are also weighing on sentiment. WTI is off to a weak start to September, extending a run of three monthly losses. That's the worst streak in more than two years. Checking prices now, WTI is up a half percent at $87.29 a barrel. Brent is at $93.26. 
Well, we're also watching cryptocurrencies this morning, Nathan. Bitcoin flirting with a test of this year's lows following another sell-off that's pushed the sector's overall market value below $1 trillion. The largest digital token has shed more than 6% so far this week as surging real interest rates cut into risk assets. Checking Bitcoin right now, it's at $18,790. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, and this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 507 on Wall Street. We are at 66 degrees in Central Park. Can't get in on the Verrazano Bridge. It's closed both ways on the lower deck for construction. Details coming up in traffic first. John Tucker with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, John. And Nathan, former White House strategist Steve Bannon will surrender to face criminal charges in New York. Let's get the story from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Sources tell Bloomberg that Bannon has been indicted and will be charged by the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Manhattan prosecutors were working early last year with New York Attorney General Letitia James, New York's top law enforcement officer, to gather information for a probe into whether Bannon defrauded contributors for the We Build the Wall. Bannon was charged with fraud in federal court in 2020 over the alleged scheme, leading to a pardon hours before Donald Trump left the White House. But Trump could not shield his former aide from the state-level probe. Jeff Bellinger, Bloomberg Daybreak. And we're hearing more surrounding the documents discovered at the former president's Florida state. The Washington Post reports a document the FBI agent seized at Mar-a-Lago describes a foreign government's military defenses and nuclear capabilities. The Post adds some of the seized documents detail top-secret U.S. operations so closely guarded that many senior national security officials are kept in the dark about them. A development in the probe into the alleged effort by some Trump supporters to overturn the 2020 election results in Georgia. Investigators say video shows a local Republican Party leader allegedly allowing two men into the Coffee County's election offices the day after the January 6th insurrection. It's also the same day, authorities say, the office's voting machines were breached. And the Biden administration says COVID-19 vaccines will largely become an annual vaccination akin to the flu shot. Dr. Ashish Jha is the Coronavirus Response Coordinator. We, the administration, will make sure that vaccines are free, that they're widely available, and they are easy to access for everybody. The administration urging Americans to seek out newly authorized booster shots tailored to fight the Omicron subvariants that are now dominant. About half U.S. workers could be described as quiet quitters. This according to new research by Gallup. It means they fulfill their job description but are psychologically detached from their work. According to Gallup's survey, some 50% of respondents met the definition of quiet quitting. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, John. Almost 5.10 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. So much for this being the easy part of the Mets' schedule. Back-to-back losses to lowly Washington. And then an 8-2 loss last night in Pittsburgh. And the Mets have just their second three-game losing streak of the season. The other one came back in June. Taiwan Walker gave up four runs and five innings. The Pirates put the game away with four runs in the eighth inning. Brandon Nimmo homered for the Mets. Two teams have a doubleheader today to make up Mondays. Rain out the Yankees and Twins have a twin bill in the Bronx to make up last night's rain out. Yanks just put Anthony Rizzo on their extremely crowded injured list. That's a list with now 15 names on it. Rizzo had missed time with a bad back. 
Now he's suffering from migraine headaches. Another late night at the U.S. Open. This one ended at 1 a.m. with Karen Kachanov winning the fifth set from Nick Kyrgios. I'm obviously devastated. Um, but all credit to Karen. He just, he's a fighter. He's, an, he's a warrior. You know, he's, he's, I thought he served really good today. Um, honestly, probably the best server I've played this tournament, to be honest, the way he was hitting his spots under pressure. A lot of new names emerging at this year's Open. Kachanov will now play Norway's Casper Ruud in an unlikely semifinal on Friday. The women's winners yesterday, Anz Jabir, who is from Tunisia. And then last night, Caroline Garcia took out the American teenager, Coco Goff. WNBA playoffs wins for Connecticut. Headed to a game five with Chicago and Las Vegas, who reached the finals last night. The final game in a long career of Seattle's Sue Bird, the Long Island native. Chicago Bears announced their intention to move to an indoor stadium in the suburbs, although not until 2034. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Thank you. All right. Guess there's time. Thank you, John. S&P futures up two points. Dow futures up four. NASDAQ futures up 19 points. Dollar strength pervading the market. We speak next with Kit Jukes, chief FX strategist at SockGen. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, scattered showers today, low 70s for highs. We'll clear out tomorrow, upper 70s, and end the week with sunshine Friday and a high near 80. Right now, cloudy, 66 degrees in Central Park. It continues. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks and commodities are dropping as the prospect of aggressive Federal Reserve monetary tightening lifts the dollar gauge to another record. Meanwhile, U.S. stock index futures are mostly higher. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about three points. Dow futures are also, well, they're a little changed now. NASDAQ futures are up 24. The DAX in Germany is down four-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds, yield 3.31%. They yield on the two-year. 3.45%. NYMEX crude oil is up 6 tenths percent of 50 cents at $87.36 a barrel. COMEX gold up 2 tenths percent or $3.50 at $17.16.40 an ounce. The euro, 0.9904 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1490. And the yen, 144.10. Bitcoin this morning lower down 1% at $18,780. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's John Tucker with more on what's going on around the world. John, good morning. And good morning, Karen. Former White House strategist Steve Bannon will surrender to face criminal charges in New York. California narrowly avoided blackouts for a second day, even as dangerous temperatures pushed electricity demand to a record in that state. And Xi Jinping will meet his Russian counterpart, Vladimir Putin, next week. It would mark the Chinese leader's first trip abroad in two and a half years. Sports last night, the Mets lose to the Pirates, Red Sox lost to the Rays, Orioles beat the Blue Jays, Nationals lost to the Cardinals, the A's fell to the Braves, the Giants lost to the Dodgers, and the Yankees game against the Twins rained out. They're set to make up that game today. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. We're powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. 
I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, John, thank you. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak on a morning where dollar strength seems to be rippling through markets and uh, driving risk assets lower. Let's bring in Kit Jukes for more on this, Chief FX Strategist at Societe Generale. Kit, good morning. Uh, it seems like the prospect of uh, higher for longer interest rates is uh, really on traders' minds right now. Now, where do you see the dollar going? Has uh, King Dollar stopped? Oh, King Dollar is King Dollar's wearing his her crown uh, very firmly, not going anywhere. I don't think this can really stop until uh, we get past the worst of the energy crisis. To be quite honest, in the sense that um, you know, the, I mean, the, the rate story is part of it, but it's all related to the fact that, that, that the terms of trade between most of the world and the U.S., between Europe and the U.S. and Japan and the U.S., is so favorable to the, to the U.S. because uh, it's the country's second biggest energy producer globally, whereas we're all, um, we're all trying to wean ourselves off Russian energy as fast as we can. And uh, that, that contrast is just enormous. So as growth slows with inflation in Europe and growth just slows in Japan, uh, the, the U.S. Ha- has a completely different set of needs in terms of monetary policy. Um, because, you know, the economic data continually just persists in outperforming expectations. So what's your expectation when it comes to the ECB? That seems to be in a lot of people's minds as well, given the uh, risks around energy with the war in Ukraine going on. Is a 75 basis point move from the ECB uh, sealed in here? Uh, it's getting more likely. 75 seems to be it seems to be fashionable. I would have thought that that's what that is. That's the most likely outcome. Um, this morning's GDP revisions upwards uh, might be just a, the, the last little bit to sort of, you know, put some dust on top of it and make it make it happen. I, I think it's what they need to do to, to maintain their credibility. It's what they the kind of they're, they're hinting at. Why would they back down now? I think so. Yeah, that's probably what we'll get. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, revision we got from the uh, uh, second quarter GDP in uh, the eurozone coming in a little bit stronger than expected. Uh, what does that mean for Europe at this point, uh, given that uh, we've seen so much weakness in this second half? Yeah, I think that's the issue. Is, is you know, so, so you know, so the eurozone economy did better than people thought going into an absolutely huge energy crisis that will. Um, that will result in, in recession, at least in Germany, and, and, um, uh, and, and significantly slower growth everywhere else. So what difference does it make? I, I don't know. I just think it, it's enough to convince the ECB that they've got room to front-load rate hikes as much as possible. Um, beyond that, uh, I don't think it makes a, a great, deal of, great deal of difference. It, it doesn't make a great deal of difference to the foreign exchange market because, um, you know, I, I don't know that we'll be pricing in higher terminal rates from the ECB or expecting anything wonderful after that. We we are just uh, we are just going to get slower growth in Europe and and um, and we'll get slower growth faster or slower growth earlier than in the United States uh, as we already have. So. Got to get your reaction to what's happening in Asia as well with the yen trading at a 24-year low right now. Do you see the possibility of intervention by the Bank of Japan? Uh, it must be coming close. I mean, the, the, obviously, the Korean authorities are being much more vocal about the need to do it. You know, the, 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 the won is weak. The Taiwan dollar is weak. The Chinese yuan is weak. The yen is weak. Um, the, the Japanese obviously have, a, you know, hugely lower interest rates than the U.S. Every time U.S. yields move higher, the yen weakens. But, but the, um, you know, the, the housing market is slowing precipitously in China. 
Uh, and so the whole of that region is, is under pressure at this point in time. Um, I think we will end up seeing intervention. The only thing I would, I would warn is, you know, the last time we saw dollar yen this high was just before LTCM collapsed and, and Russia defaulted. And we were back at 110 by the end of the year. So um, we, we are at levels where I wouldn't promise that it's going to be stable. <laughs> Our last uh, minute here, Kit, uh, what's the path ahead for the pound now with the change in leadership in the U.K.? I sterling still weak. I still think sterling's probably able to be, you know, if anything, slightly weaker than the euro. The fundamental problem is the same for the UK as for Europe. Dependence on what is now extremely expensive and scarce um, and energy. Um, if it's a bad winter, sterling's got more downside than if it's a good winter. If it's a mild winter, we're lucky and we could get away with it. But in the short term, as we price in the downside risk that we'll end up with power outages and things like that, um, we're pretty much already – we could be in recession by the time we do the math backwards later on. We're going to get aggressive rate hikes because of the inflation, uh, and, uh, and we, have a, we have a balance of payments that's worse than anybody else's in the U.K., so of, of the major economies. So there's not, there's not a lot out there. The only, the only mm. piece that you can say that's favorable is sentiment is truly dire and the yeah. level is very low. I still don't think we'll get, much, we'll get below 110, but um, we're, we're not going up anytime soon. Thanks for this, Kit. Good having you on with us this morning. Kit Jukes, Chief FX Strategist at Societe Generale. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Good morning. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Scattered showers today with highs in the low 70s. We'll clear out tomorrow, get into the upper 70s, and uh, top out at 80 on Friday under sunshine. 66 and cloudy right now. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. Stocks in Europe are falling as the U.S. dollar continues its strong run. The Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index hit another record overnight, and that's leading to tighter financial conditions that are weighing on risk assets around the world. Janet Mui is head of market analysis at Bruin Dolphin. There are increasing signs that uh, countries are worried about the dollar strength. I think uh, government officials, they will have to come together to discuss what they may do about it, but maybe they don't actually have a lot of solutions. Janet Mui with Bruin Dolphin says the strong dollar could have a disinflationary effect on the U.S. economy, but she still expects the Fed to raise interest rates at September's meeting. And we'll get more insight from the Fed today, Karen, with the release of the Beige Book. That comes at 2 p.m. Wall Street time, a day before we hear from Fed Chair Jay Powell. He speaks at the Cato Institute's Monetary Conference tomorrow. Tune in to Bloomberg Radio and Television for live coverage of that around 9 a.m. Eastern. Well, Nathan, the strong dollar weighed on assets in Asia overnight. Stocks held at lows from May of 2020, while Asian currencies weakened sharply. We're taking a close look at the yen in particular. It's on track for the worst year on record. That's prompting signals from government officials that Japan would need to take action if the rapid one-sided move continues. Ruth Carson's is the FX reporter with Bloomberg News. At this stage, with the Bank of Japan clinging to its ultra-dovish monetary policy stance and the Fed hiking aggressively to fight inflation, 
inflation. That's little stopping it from hitting levels last seen in the early 1990s. Bloomberg's Ruth Carson says potential government intervention is on traders' minds at the moment and checking the yen right now. It's at 144.17 against the dollar. All right, turning to corporate news now, Karen, all eyes are on Apple. The tech giant holds an event today to unveil its new iPhone 14. New iPhones traditionally kick off a busy fall product season, which also includes new Macs, iPads, and Apple Watch models. This event kicks off at 1 p.m. Wall Street time today. We will have live updates from Cupertino for you throughout the day on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And taking a look at oil now, Nathan. Crude's trading lower as the dollar surges. Concerns over global demand are also weighing on sentiment. WTI is off to a weak start to September, extending a run of three monthly losses. That's the worst streak in more than two years. And checking prices right now, WTI is up nine-tenths of a percent, or up 76 cents at $87.61 a barrel. Looking at Brent, it's at $93.63. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports and this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. 533 on Wall Street. It's 66 degrees in Central Park. we got slow traffic in the local lanes. Route 78 eastbound between exit 57 and the Turnpike. More coming up in traffic. First, John Tucker with what else is going on in New York and around the world. John? And Nathan, former White House strategist Steve Bannon, who was pardoned by Donald Trump on his last day as president, will surrender tomorrow to face state criminal charges in New York. Manhattan prosecutors have been working with New York's Attorney General Letitia James to gather information for a probe into whether Bannon defrauded contributors for We Build the Wall. That was a private sector effort to support Trump's 2016 campaign promise to construct a wall along the U.S.-Mexico border. Trump's pardon doesn't shield Bannon from state charges. And a threat by a major airline to suspend service at JFK. Let's get more on this report from Bloomberg's Lisa Mateo. United Airlines is threatening to suspend service at Kennedy unless federal regulators review runway use and allow the carrier to increase daily operations. United told employees in a memo about its plan, saying the airport's total flight capacity hasn't changed since 2008, despite a widening of runways and other infrastructure improvements. The airline, which has two daily flights between Los Angeles and JFK and two shuttling back and forth to San Francisco, said it would suspend operations at the end of October without more slots. Lisa Mateo, Bloomberg Daybreak. California narrowly avoided blackouts for a second successive day, even as temperatures pushed electricity demand to a record and stretched the state's power grid close to its limits. Electricity use had reached 52 gigawatts yesterday, easily breaking a record that stood since 2006. Here's California Governor Gavin Newsom. California and many other western states are experiencing simply unprecedented temperatures. In fact, this heat wave is on track to be both the hottest and the longest on record for the state and many parts of the west for the month of September. Bosses are expecting workers to finally start showing up more routinely at Manhattan offices that have been sparsely populated for more than two years. Big banks, including Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley, have removed the final hurdles for full-time in-person work. And once again, are reminding employees that they're wanted back in the office. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg Nathan. Thank you, John. 
535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshower. Nathan, the Mets have been a first-place team pretty much all season, but maybe not. By the end of tonight, Atlanta Braves won again, 10-9 in Oakland. They've won 26 of their last 31, and the Braves are 85-51. and 51. Same record as the Mets, who lost in Pittsburgh 8-2. Taiwan Walker gave up the first four runs, the bullpen four more. Mets have just their second three-game losing streak of the season. They have a doubleheader in Pittsburgh today. Yankees and Twins will play two in the Bronx to make up last night's rain out. The Yanks are banged up 15 players on the injured list. Anthony Rizzo just went on with migraine headaches. D.J. LeMay, who's got a bad toe. John Carlos Stanton had to leave Monday's game with an injured foot. Those x-rays were negative. Tampa Bay beat the Red Sox. The Red Hot Rays only four and a half games behind the Yanks. The crowd at the U.S. Open last night came out to see the American teenager Coco Goff and then the entertaining Aussie Nick Kyrgios, but they both lost their quarterfinal matches. Goff fell to Caroline Garcia, straight sets, and Kyrgios in a match that ended at 1 a.m., Lost a five-setter to Russians, Russia's Karen Kachanov. Giants getting ready for Sunday's season opener at Tennessee. And the concern for new Giants coach Brian Dayball is Titans running back Eric Henry. Well documented his what he's done so far. He's he's just a really good football player. I know him as a person, too. Uh, haven't met him down a few times at Alabama. Got a ton of respect for him. And as a man and, and, and certainly as a player, he's uh, he's one heck of a player. You name it, he can do it. If the Giants can upset the Titans, they'll have an over 500 record for the first time since 2016. Jets open Sunday with Baltimore. The season kicks off tomorrow. John Stash, our Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? John, thanks. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report with Bloomberg's Ed Corey. RXR has landed a $1.3 billion refinancing loan for a Times Square office tower as it ramps up building improvements. Backers for the five Times Square loan include Morgan Stanley, Apollo Global, and AIG. RXR and its partners have invested another $300 million to help renovate the site. New York farms, orchards, and dairies would be on the hook for more overtime pay under a proposal being reviewed by regulators. The Farm Laborers Wage Board recommends overtime pay be phased in for those working more than 40 hours, down from a current 60 hours. New Jersey pot companies and state regulators are challenged by a hodgepodge of rules Documents obtained by Bloomberg show the State Cannabis Regulatory Commission issued citations to seven companies from January 2020 through mid-April 2022 when marijuana sales broadened from medical to recreational. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio's on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. Steve Potus and on 1010 Wins in New York, we're talking about how Seattle-based Nordstrom is putting New York City center stage. Tom Courtney Donahoe on KTRH in Houston. Chesapeake Energy says there's lots of interest in its Eagleford shale assets. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WFLA in Orlando, I'm reporting that a new Gallup poll shows that about half of U.S. workers could be considered quiet quitters. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on the first meeting of Liz Truss's cabinet after she promoted her supporters into the top jobs. Mid Corey on WWJ in Detroit, I'm reporting Eastern Michigan University faculty have voted to strike. Those are some of the stories our 2700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street.
The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. It's not every day that the International Atomic Energy Agency dispatches monitors looking like Hollywood action heroes. But that's an apt description of the IAEA team recently sent to inspect the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine, which Russia seized in March. It's Europe's largest nuclear reactor complex, and it sits right on the front line between the Ukrainian defenders and Russian invaders. The IAEA's goal is to avert a radiation disaster. Putin will never agree to unilaterally withdraw his troops and yield the plant to the Ukrainians, which would amount to retreat. So the goal of negotiations must be the creation of a demilitarized zone in and around the nuclear complex. Such a solution will be extremely difficult to achieve, but anything less could be disastrous. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you are listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Bloomberg 1130 Weather. Rain, low 70s today. We'll clear out, get into the upper 70s tomorrow. Right now, 66 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks and commodities are dropping as the prospect of aggressive Federal Reserve monetary tightening lifts the dollar gauge to another record. And futures, meanwhile, are moving higher. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are up about five points. Dow futures up 20. NASDAQ futures up 31. And the DAX in Germany is down half percent. Ten-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds, yield 3.31 percent. They yield on the two-year 3.46 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up up seven-tenths percent or 64 cents at $87.52 a barrel. Comex Gold is up a quarter of a percent, up $3.80 at $17.16.70 an ounce. The euro at .9909 against the dollar. British pound 1.1480 and the yen 144.15. And Bitcoin is down 1% at $18,780. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's John Tucker with more on what's going on around the world. John. And Karen Steve Bannon, the one-time Trump Advisor expected to surrender tomorrow to New York authorities to face state criminal charges. California narrowly avoided blackouts for a second successive day, even as the blistering temperatures there pushed electricity demand to a record. And Chinese leader Xi Jinping planning his first trip abroad in two and a half years. According to TASS, he's going to meet with the Russian counterpart Vladimir Putin in Uzbekistan next week. Sports last night. Mets lost to the Pirates. Red Sox lost to the Rays. The O's beat the Blue Jays. Nationals lost to the Cardinals. The A's fell to the Braves. Giants lost to the Dodgers. And the Yankees game against the Twins. That was rained out. They're going to make that a game up today. Global News 24 hours a day on air. And a Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm John Tucker. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, John, thank you. We're coming up to 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg.
Bloomberg Daybreak on a morning where we are continuing to see dollar strength ripple through markets. Global stocks moving lower. Futures a touch higher. They've been kind of fluctuating this morning, but right now we have S&P futures up uh, six points. That's a gain of about uh, two-tenths of one percent. But the number of the day uh, this day is 14. That's the uh, next edition iPhone Apple's expected to unveil at its latest launch event dubbed Far Out. For more on what to expect from Cupertino, we are joined this morning by Alex Webb, Bloomberg Quick Take anchor, tech columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Alex, how far out is this product launch going to be? Well, actually, the title is always a bit of a puzzle that people try to get their heads around. And the suspicion is that it's something to do with satellite communications, that there might be a feature which, if you don't have cell phone signal, that you can text emergency service or something using these sort of low-Earth orbit satellites, such as Starlink, you know, the the Elon Musk thing. But really, that's not going to be the the headline product launches here. We're going to see two new um, iPhone – sorry – well, a new, two new pro iPhones and two mm. new standard iPhones, as well as a pro version of the watch. And that probably is going to be the biggest takeaway. Yeah, our Mark Gurman was reporting that the uh, pro versions were going to be the devices that saw more of the bells and whistles that a lot of analysts expect to see from the newest uh, Apple products. How significant uh, could we see in terms of changes of design, changes of uh, hardware in uh, in some of these higher-end uh, Apple products? So the thing we know, every new lineup of, of iPhones has an improved processor and improved camera. And it's going to be no different this time around. The the big camera update is going to, is it likely to be? This is also, you know, Mark's reporting a 48 megapixel rear-facing camera on the on the Pro uh, version of, of the iPhone. Uh, the main form factor change is a, it's like to be a smaller notch. That's what the, you know, enthusiasts call the, the little dent at the top of your display, which houses the, the front facing camera, face ID, things like that. So that's really going to be the, um, the, uh, the change here. And I guess uh, the the uh, question that always tends to come up uh, with product launches like this, especially when we get closer to the holiday shopping season, is whether we're going to see a market for uh, higher-end products from Apple. Uh, I mean, they're always uh, higher-priced uh, products. But given the uh, economic environment we find ourselves in right now, can Apple count on people being willing to plunk down uh, upper three, maybe four figures uh, for, for a new iPhone? So... Actually, some of the interesting reporting we've seen from our colleagues, particularly Debbie Wu in Taiwan, is to do with how many devices Apple has ordered from its uh, suppliers. And the suggestion is they've ordered about the same as last year. Now, you could say that's good news, but given it's likely to be a slightly bigger upgrade to the iPhone than it was a year earlier, that often would drive more of a sales uplift. So the fact that or the, the reporting that suggests that sales perhaps might be flat compared to last year you could maybe infer from that that yes there is an impact from you know the inflation which is squeezing so many people's uh, you know wallets at the moment and apple also you know obviously has the ability to squeeze more money out of its customers through you know the uh, the services the subscriptions that people have but in terms of device sales it may not be as many now the final um, wrinkle to that is of course that the price point is likely to be higher still to offset some of those declines. So from an invest perspective, there's not huge concern. 
Yeah, we know a lot of uh, investors, analysts, and buyers are going to be watching what comes out of Cupertino this afternoon, 1 p.m. Wall Street time. We're going to have uh, frequent updates for you on this far-out Apple day. Thanks for this, Alex Webb. Good having you on with us. Alex Webb, Bloomberg Quick Take anchor, tech columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Karen. Nathan, it is 5.53 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning with Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. Infringement suits filed in New York and Texas federal courts charge that AT&T and Verizon failed to terminate the Internet services of users who engaged in online piracy. New York's Farm Laborers Wage Board recommends that the state phase in a 40-hour work week for farm, orchard, and dairy workers down from the current 60 hours. The University of Delaware went to court seeking an order allowing it to confiscate knockoffs of university-branded merchandise sold on school property during home football games. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thank you. Now another legal story we're watching. An illegal victory for former President Donald Trump. A federal judge on Monday granted his request for a special master to review documents seized by the FBI from his Florida home and also stop the Justice Department from using the records in its investigation into the presence of top-secret information at Mar-a-Lago. The Justice Department has not announced yet whether it will appeal the judge's order. For more, Bloomberg's June Grasso speaks to former federal prosecutor Jimmy Garuli, a professor at Notre Dame Law School. When I first heard about this motion by Trump, frankly, I thought it was a little bizarre and had no chance at all. What was your reaction when you heard the judge had decided to appoint a special master? Well, I was surprised by the decision. And then when I read the decision, I was even more concerned by the lack of really thoughtful legal reasoning. Yep. It's a deeply flawed ruling and opinion. And I would say this as a law professor, had this been the quality product that one of my students had submitted for a grade, uh, I'm not sure that it would have received a passing grade. What do you think about the judge basically accepting Trump's claims of executive privilege here? The problem with that claim is that there's no legal authority whatsoever for the proposition that a former president of the United States may properly invoke executive privilege. And more so, it's problematic because executive privilege has been raised in the context of whether or not Congress, the legislature, can access presidential documents, not whether the executive branch itself can access such documents. And that's the case here. And there's no authority for that proposition whatsoever. And by the way, Judge Cannon admits that this is an open issue, does not cite any authority for the proposition that executive privilege applies here. And she grants a restraining order on the Department of Justice, the FBI, from continuing to investigate the matter while these 11,000 documents are being reviewed by the special master. And the legal standard for an injunction is first and foremost, number one, a substantial likelihood of success on the merits. And then she finds that there is a substantial likelihood of success on the merits. But the merits here involve whether the executive privilege applies to a former president with respect to requests 
interest from the executive branch? That's an open question. How can there be a substantial likelihood of success that there's this executive privilege that applies here when there's no authority to support it whatsoever? So that just is an absurd conclusion. Is it unheard of for a district judge to enjoin a federal criminal investigation? I'm unaware of any precedent. If there is precedent, it is extremely, extremely rare for the judiciary to intervene in an executive branch criminal investigation and order that that investigation be halted. And that's Jimmy Caroli, a professor at Notre Dame Law School, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BLaw Go. Futures this morning are on the rise. S&P futures up about eight points, down futures up 39, and NASDAQ futures up about 37, and the 10-year Treasury up 10.30 seconds, yield 3.30%. Our top stories are straight ahead, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.